This episode of the Making a Musical podcast is produced by Anchor FM and MTT LLC. This is the Making a Musical podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Thrapp. The podcast follows the development and execution of our critically acclaimed off-Broadway show, Good Morning New York. The album comes out October 25th. We have a single out right now. It's called Swept Away See Show Notes. You can find it on Spotify. It'll be on iTunes soon. Previews for our off-Broadway show begin January 9th. We open January 11th. Now today I'm going to bring back my segment this week on Broadway. Then I'll review the latest shows that I've seen and I want to talk about this bombshell email that I got this week. Guys, this episode is one to listen to. Before you listen to this one, if you have not listened to episode 28, The Pitch, I highly recommend you do because after I talk about the current events on Broadway, Um, and before I go into my reviews, I'm going to be talking about this bombshell email, and it relates to episode 28. You guys are not going to believe it. I didn't believe it, and uh, I can't wait to share it. So let's get started. Here's what happened this week on Broadway. The cast of Waitress turning those blue aprons pink. It is for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And the Missed Out Fire musical world premiere in Seattle this November. Then it heads to Broadway in March. Rachel Bloom opening up about the life after Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, one of my favorite shows. It was on the CW. She's kicking off a solo tour later this month. She'll head to Dallas, L.A., and then Denver. Now, I met with Rachel Bloom at the Obie Awards earlier this year, asking her if we could see her on a Broadway stage soon. Here is her answer. Will we be seeing you on theater anytime soon? Like on an off-Broadway stage or Broadway stage? Yeah, no, one, I've been no one's to. really asked. Um, I couldn't do... Uh, well, Crazy Free's not on Broadway yet, but I couldn't take part in more Crazy Free because I was filming Crazy X, but I'm unemployed and I'm super around. I love people who are unemployed. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. And not to brag, but here's what happened when I told her about our musical and the podcast. So our podcast is about making a musical. Great. Yep, it's about the new musical Good Morning New York, which opens next year off-Broadway. Awesome. Question for you. Wait, so it's a podcast about... Oh, sorry, let me correct that. Yes. So the podcast is about making a musical, and the musical... musical is going to be, Good Morning New York. It's going to be off Broadway. And this is a podcast hyping up the musical that will be off Broadway next year. Exactly. Great. And every week we talk about what's new, genius what's marketing, happening. genius marketing. Thank you. That's I'm really happy smart. someone else appreciates no, it. No, that's really smart. And as you guys know, I head to Europe this Friday. Well, that's like a day away. Okay, so I head to Europe really, really soon. So I want to give you guys an update on our production as of today. Our single Swept Away is on Spotify. It'll be on iTunes soon. We're in the final stages of picking a choreographer. Our finalists are reading the scripts now. We'll decide next week. We had about 100 applicants going for that choreographer position. So we're really excited for who we pick when we pick that person. And now we're also in the final stages of picking a John. Auditions are next week. If you have not applied, apply now. You can go to backstage.com for all of that. All right, let's get started with this pitch episode. So we did it in season two, episode 28. It was called The Pitch. And I had a lot of people reach out to me after this. They say it was very unusual. I even had to change up my format when I was recording the episode because 
what I did is, uh, well, I'll explain it in a second, but I had to change the format to like um, uh, the daily news podcast type style or the, the New York Times, the daily podcast, because things would happen, but I wanted to comment on them. So I would play some clips, then I'd comment, then I'd play some clips, then I'd comment, and I really changed up the format of that podcast because it was so unusual to me and it was so unusual to a lot of people who listened, and I got a lot of feedback because it was so bizarre. Um so here's what happened. After seeing the show in 2018, an investor that we're not going to name said that he wanted to invest $10,000 in Good Morning New York. We had a handshake deal. It was made at a bar over in Soho earlier this year. So after we shook hands and I was like, wow, I just raised 10K so quick, we shook on it. And then he wanted to introduce me to other investors. So I uh, had a lawyer write up a contract, then I sent it his way. I never really heard back. And then he's like, come to the pitch meeting, come to the pitch meeting. So he would, uh, I would be invited to these pitch things, but I never heard back on the contract. So that's part one, just keep that in your head. So I said yes, as long as I could record these pitch sessions for my podcast, because I only had 3,000 more to go. During the pitch, which is episode 28, the investors told me the budget was too low and in order to be successful, I needed to produce 10 separate productions per year. That's not how Broadway or off-Broadway works. Nobody, I don't know any producer ever who produces 10 separate off-Broadway shows per year. This isn't comedy. This isn't improv. I'm not talking 10 days. We're talking 10 separate shows with at least six weeks per show. Nobody does that. So during this pitch session, I did say that it was impossible. Didn't want to push back, but I mean, come on, it's impossible. And that's when the initial investor, um, who said he was going to give me $10,000, withdrew his investment on my podcast during that pitch and he said that he can uh he thinks I can raise it myself and uh then after we ended recording I faked a smile and I left and I felt like an idiot I felt so defeated and like such a loser like who am I Uh, a little producer trying to get her show off Broadway and all these investors just completely said I had no shot so Oh, not to mention that it was full of men. Three male investors told me I had no shot. And so then um, after that, he reached out. He still hasn't signed the contract, never even acknowledged the contract that I sent. And then he said um, he wanted to be my consultant. And he tried to get me to pay him. So let me repeat that. Instead of investing $10,000... He tried to get me to pay him after not only publicly embarrassing me in front of an audience in my pinch session on the podcast, but um, that that is so wrong to do to anybody, to say you're going to invest and then change your mind and then ask me to pay you when I already have to raise $13,000, like who the hell do you think you are? So I got heated, heated, especially for someone who, when you listen to the episode, does not know my industry at all, at all. Um, clearly, I'm still heated. This happened like <laughs> way back in the, way back a long time earlier this year. So 
I was never going to do it. Never going to do it. I was already heated. I was already embarrassed. He doesn't know my industry. That's a fact from listening to that episode. So as you'll hear in the pitch session, um, you hear that in the pitch session. So then I did, and I always do this. Out of curiosity, I wanted to see how much. I always want to see how much. I'm a curious person. I'm never going to pay it, but I would love to just have people shoot their numbers at me. I do that with almost every contract. I always ask how much, even if I'm not interested. Um, Just so I know if I ever were interested, I would know. So his alleged assistant sent me a series of typo-filled contracts and emails. And then in those emails, it prohibited me from sharing them with an attorney or even co-producers or even co-writers. So now they were sending me stuff that I was unable to share. They said I'm not able to share it at all. And then, to repeat, typo filled, I can't share it with an attorney. Yeah, I'm going to cut off contact. And that brings me to this week's bombshell email. So after I was embarrassed, after he lied about the investment, after I walked away, and after those typo contracts, and I just was like, this is a waste of my time, And I don't trust anything that ever happens with this person. I immediately just cut things off. Don't care. This person tried to come on my podcast, this podcast, so many times. I kept saying no because I just, no, no. You have no right to be involved in my life. You have no right to have any say in what people know. Um, I'm so mad about this still. Oh, my God. Okay. So I cut off contact for a series of months until I got this massive email in my inbox this week. It's It's crazy. It's a bombshell dossier from one of his former clients exposing who this investor actually is. Now, a former client sends an email to every single person this man has ever come in contact with. Now, I don't want to expose the investor. I'm not going to expose the source. But it's very, very credible. I know this person. I know what this person can do and has done, and and it's an established person. So I really do know this source, and I can't believe this happened. What what I'm going to tell you, I'm just like so stunned this happened. And I'm also stunned. Okay, I'll just tell you. So I'm only sharing this because this might happen to you, and you could really get conned. And especially if you're a female, a bunch of women in this city allegedly just got completely conned by this guy for the record I didn't because I didn't spend any money I just wasted my time now according to the dossier the initial investor who promised me the 10k then took it back and then tried to get me to pay him he is allegedly not an investor at all so instead of being a millionaire that I assumed this man according to the dossier is accused of fraud targeting females at networking events especially older women with quote assets. But that's only the start of it. Because according to his former client and the New York Department of State, his companies that he claims he owns uh, don't exist. You can Google them. You can search in public record. They do not exist. The investor claims to be located in the His former client went to his office, the office that's listed on his websites, and it doesn't exist. Although this is the office that's listed on all of this person's websites doesn't exist. The client asks everyone in the room in the office, hey, does this guy work here? Does this person work here? Nope. No one knew who he was. And additionally, the photos from his office that are on his website are actually photos anyone can take if you go to that floor of those, allegedly, 
don't exist. This is all according to the dossier. Now, my source looked up records for everyone in his team, including his legal counsel and assistant and uh, helper who would send me contracts. According to the dossier and according to records, these people not only don't exist, but also there's no one under the names to practice law in New York, Virginia, Florida, or Delaware, uh, where this person allegedly used to live. So basically, the people who were sending me these typo-filled contracts and saying that I can't show it to an attorney not only aren't lawyers, but also um, allegedly don't exist. So in short, according to the dossier, not only does this person not have a company, he does not have an office, he does not have a team, and according to the dossier and my source, he doesn't even have a home. Allegedly, what's happening is he is meeting women in New York City at these networking events, and they enter a business partnership. And once that happens, according to the dossier, then he ends up living with these women. And sometimes their assets, allegedly, at least one of the assets has gone missing. And there has been a series of women coming forward accusing this man of doing that. I was never going to pay, and I never did. A lot of people did. According to Upwork, this man charges $199 per hour. So now you can draw your own conclusions of what this is. Me, personally, my opinion, my experience, this is somebody who said that he would invest 10 k in my production, took it back embarrassed me in a room full of people, then on my podcast, then tried to make me pay him. I was so embarrassed. And like I said, this podcast is about our heirs and our successes. And that, I posted it and I just felt like an heir, but I felt like, please, is there someone else here who like doesn't think I'm crazy and who actually thinks that I can raise this money? Because apparently a room full of investors don't think that I'm worthy of it. And in the end of the day, after reading this email, and it took months for me to ever realize this was happening to other women, I am not the stupid one in the arts. And I am so sick of seeing people target up-and-coming artists. I am sick of it. I am sick of people saying that they want to be part of your team and then realizing how hard it is and then saying, never mind. I'm sick of people coming on and then telling me that I'm not good enough and that they should rewrite my musical. I am so sick of people doing this and there is no more tolerance left in me. So I, this isn't a usual thing that you guys see from me, but like I am so sick of all of this that I keep running into when I'm just trying to produce a musical. And yeah, you want to know why I'm raising the money by myself? Because I'm sick of going into these rooms and having people con me. And then having, even when I go in to get my hair done with a lady who's doing my shampoo, she's like, oh, what do you do? I'm a playwright. Oh, I'm a consultant. How about I consult you? It's like, no, I don't need a consultant for someone who doesn't know what they're talking about. I am not sorry. How about you go produce something and then you do it yourself and then have a bunch of people who are not qualified tell you how you're supposed to do it. Here's my thoughts. If you want to know my thoughts on this, which if you're still listening, here they are. I'm so thankful that I'm in the residency program at the Players Theater because Michael and Brenda are some of the best coaches 
I could ask for. I come to them if I have a question, whether big or small, they help because they're in theater and they get it. And there are not a lot of people who are in theater and who get it. And it is so stressful to have to go through this whole scene by yourself when no one supports you and no one will pay and then trying to get people to come to your shows and then your friends don't come. Well, my friends come, but sometimes they don't. And so it's like, There are so many things that I am up against, and the last thing I need is some snake telling me that my production isn't good enough, that I should pay him, and then to find out that he is conning so many young and old women across the city. I can't stand it. And I'll just take a break, and then we'll go into our reviews, because I'm going to review some shows that I just saw. I want to take a moment to talk about Baked Cravings. It's quickly becoming a premier bakery in New York City and across the nation. It's a nut-free, peanut-free, and tree-nut-free bakery specializing in cupcakes, cookies, cakes, brownies, and donuts. Drop by the bakery on Lexington and 105th to get some treats or get a ticket to our 54 Below show and get your custom cookie with our Good Morning New York logo for free. If you come to the show, we also have gift baskets with Harney and Sons Fine Teas. The company started in a basement way back in 1983 and has since become one of the premier go-to tea companies across the nation. Film sets, television sets, TV news studios often carry their tea on hand to give to actors and talent. You can see for yourself. Go to Harney.com and shop over 300 tea blends Or just come to our 54 Below show and get your free tin of the New York Blend. Tickets are at goodmorningnewyorkmusical.com. Thank you, Baked Cravings and Harney & Sons for being our sponsor. Okay, now that I'm refreshed, it's time for reviews. The Rose Tattoo, debuting on Broadway this week. It's about a widow who finds passion in a guy that looks like her dead husband. Now, uh, Entertainment Weekly writes that Marissa Tomei gives her all in an unsatisfying revival. The New York Times didn't like it that much either. Now, I saw it on the first night of previews for free with my Dramatist Guild membership. I liked it, and I, I, I... I don't mind it. I had a good time. I kind of got bored in the second act a little bit. But for the most part, I thought it was a well-written play, obviously. Um, Tennessee Williams, right? And uh, I had a fun time watching it. So the thing that I didn't get is a set design. Like, I really didn't get it. And there were flamingos everywhere. The whole set was just covered in flamingos. And then their eyes would light up and glow. That didn't make a lot of sense either. So I was confused because I didn't really get the set, so I looked up who the set designer was, and this is a person who's done the set for Significant Other, and if then, no, these obviously weren't big Broadway hits. I loved them. I don't think others loved them, but I did. So uh, better luck next time, right? I like those shows. So if you want to see it, I say get a rush ticket, probably not more than 60 bucks for it, and like maybe do some research on Tennessee Williams so you know what kind of writer this person is so that's that and meantime I just got back from a Broadway play tonight um crazy night okay so it's Wednesday and it's raining it's like a monsoon out there I don't know if it is but it might be because holy cow my feet were so wet And then they stayed wet for the entire three hours and 20 minutes of that play. 
part one of a two-parter play. So I just went to go see The Inheritance. It's in previews now on Broadway. It's a play. It's a drama. There's no set. And there's no famous people. Three hours and 20 minutes, two intermissions, and then act two, I'm sorry, correction, part two is tomorrow. I did not buy a ticket for part two, and I won't. I'm going to Google the spoilers, and let me, let me tell you why. Okay, so I'm going to go through my playbill that is very, very, very wet from the rain. Um, I, you know, the thing is, I did enjoy it, but I don't think I could, I have the capacity to sit through another three and a half hours of a play like that. Um, but I like it. I like it. Okay, so The Inheritance, um, let me take a look at the thing that they gave us. It's all about your story and what your story is and how, um, I think in the ads they were saying it's been decades in the making and I love, love movies and films and shows like This Is Us where you have a series of decades and they kind of all intertwine and you're like, wow, I really get it. And I think that they probably set that up in part one. I don't know. I'm sure in part two they're going to tell us. Not going to tell me because I'm not going to go. Because here's the thing. The rush ticket was 40 bucks, And then the other rush ticket will be 40 bucks as well. So that's 80 bucks for rush tickets on this play. Um, it starts off with uh, a bunch of guys talking about, you know, their life and their story and then it really goes into how it all intertwines and you go like, you go back a few years, they mention the election a little bit and then they mention like way back um, when the AIDS crisis was happening. And so you, it, the playwriting was really well done. I mean, well done, Matthew Lopez. The direction was great as well. The acting was great. Casting was great. Everything about it was great. I just don't have it in me to sit through that again. Because act one. Funny, lighthearted. I thought it was too long, but that was just me. But I get it. You got to set up the stage for a six hour long piece of theater. Uh, you have an intermission. Act two just kind of starts and everyone's still standing and everyone was kind of surprised that it just started. Or was that act three? I don't know. There was one act where we were all standing and doing nothing, and then right away it just started. So that was unusual. Okay. And then act two, um, there's really, there are two big, 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 long monologues. One of them, oh, sorry, I'm yawning. I was thinking about those monologues. They're well written. It's just like, it's like a marathon for theater. The first monologue was at the end. And it was about the AIDS crisis. It was a well-written monologue. I mean, I forgot I was listening to a monologue. It was probably 20 minutes long. But hey, it's still not like that Jake Gyllenhaal show that I saw on Broadway a few months ago. Um, something Seawall and a Life. That, that was some of the most... Oh yeah, that was great theater. A Seawall and a Life. Ugh. Our monologues, gold. Jake Gyllenhaal, gold. Uh, this was good too, and uh, whatever. So then Act Two happens. I really forgot what happened in Act Two, and then we sit. 
we have another intermission and then I'm bored and then act three happens. Uh, well, the writing was great. I just remember kind of thinking for the last 20 to 35 minutes, all right, well, it's almost 11. I'm sure it's almost 11. I've been sitting here since 7.30. Can I go? Um, and then the end of Act 1, that was a stunner. I'm trying to figure out how many union and non-union actors are now in the show. I know it's a Broadway theater, but I mean, boy... All of a sudden, the whole stage fills with all these actors, and you're just like, what? Where did these people come from? Which is probably what they were trying to do. But all I could think of is, are they equity or are they not equity? Because I'm sure that equity has some rules about this. And who could afford to pay equity? You know, who could afford to pay so much for someone who's only in one scene? So I think maybe there are more scenes, but there was like a lot of guys on that stage. Anyway, um... So my thoughts on the whole thing is, oh, oh yeah, that's what happened in Act 2, nudity. Full nudity. I have never seen that on a stage. And then there was a fire on the stage too. And I just thought to myself, I'm very confused. So there's nudity and a fire. All right. Now, do I remember exactly why? Yes. Am I going to tell you? Not really, because that'll take me three hours and 20 minutes to tell you the whole story. So if you're in New York City, uh, don't see it. If you live here, go see it. Um, get a rush ticket if you want to. There are better plays. Um, this is good for a Wednesday. It's not good for a Friday. I think if you see this on a Friday, you're going to be pretty disappointed. So that is my review of The Inheritance. Thought it was going to be much better. Also, they have females in the playbill, but I did not see them tonight. So it was a bunch of men, which is fine, because I get it. I get, I get the point. Um, if you look up what it's about, you'll be like, oh, I get it. But um, I'm interested to see the females. Um, that's probably the worst review ever, but that's uh, my thoughts. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I'll see you next week. <laughs>